everyone. It's um, great to be here tonight. I've just spent my third week in isolation, got out this afternoon. So I do um, appreciate the slight irony of preaching on freedom uh, when I've been locked up all week. Um, But actually, um, I take a fair bit of comfort uh, from the fact that uh, the author of what we just read, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, he uh, was often in much, uh, you know, m- much greater confinement than a week of isolation. He spent years uh, on the trot uh, in prison uh, at the hands of the authorities for his faith in Jesus. Uh, some of the letters that we have in the New Testament were written while he was in jail. And uh, he had a, a wonderful perspective on freedom that came from the gospel uh, a perspective that helped him not just to endure his time in jail, but actually to see what God was doing through it. So here's an example, right? Uh, from the start of the letter to the Philippians, uh, he writes this, uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, so he's talking about being stuck in jail, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And that's all Paul cares about, right? That's his mission in life, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see it spreading around the world. That's what he's devoted his life to. And and yet there he is in jail, but he sees that the, the gospel isn't chained. You know, the gospel isn't stuck in jail. The gospel is advancing, even in jail. So he goes on to say uh, what's happened as a result, that is as a result of him being in jail, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, who they reckon might have been a couple of hundred people, right? the whole palace guard, and to everyone else, so like that's the whole world, right? no, maybe not, but, uh, and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And on top of that, Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Isn't that amazing? There's Paul in chains in jail, but the gospel can't be chained. In fact, the chains seem to be spurring on the spread of the gospel uh, because God's at work. God's at work in those difficult circumstances, through those difficult circumstances, through that confinement Uh, the gospel is advancing. And I hope that's what we're going to see together tonight, that uh, the world is a place where we experience all sorts of limitations and confinements and hardships and suffering. But if our heart is in the right place, that is, if we have God's agenda on our heart, then we will trust that he is doing all, all manner of good things. Uh, even through our sufferings, even in our sufferings for us and through us. So I hope that's what we're going to see as we finish off this uh, three-week series on gospel freedom. Uh, As Jed said, there will be a time for questions at the end, and they can be questions from anything in the series, anything in the last three weeks, um, anything from Romans 8 or some of the other places that we've dipped in or uh, anything that I've uh, said along the way. So keep that in mind and... um, and we'll get to that, but uh, how about we pray? Heavenly Father, we've, uh, we've already prayed as we approach your word that we, uh, we want to receive it as it is because we want to receive the benefit that can come from it when we hear you speak to us. Um, we need your word to tell us what's true. We need your word to guide us through the challenges of life. We need your word to reorientate our minds 
and our hearts. And so we pray that by your spirit, who is with us and in us, you'll do that for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've uh, been out and about in recent weeks, traveling the highways and the byways, then I suspect that you might have come across uh, posters, billboards, that kind of thing that look a bit like this. Sam, have we got that? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, seen these around. Who's sick of the color yellow? Yeah, okay. But uh, if you can't quite see that, it's, uh, it's a Clive Palmer, United Australia Party billboard. This one's the one on uh, Brisbane Road. Freedom, freedom, catchy slogan, freedom, freedom, freedom. That seems to be the slogan. But this billboard kind of goes to the next level, right? Here's what Clive Harmer is promising Australia. Freedom forever. That's a big call. That's a big claim, don't you reckon? Now, whatever you think of Clive Palmer, whatever you think of his politics or him as a person, I reckon that this campaign is actually quite clever. I mean, it's not, you know, nuanced. It's not subtle. (laughs) But I think it is quite clever. And the reason I say that is because I think he's tapping into a very strong sentiment in our country at the moment. Uh, And that is that we don't feel free. That we feel like freedoms that we have enjoyed, perhaps we uh, are being encroached upon, are being taken away from us. And we all want to be free. That's what we've kind of learned in these first couple of weeks, haven't we, of this series. The desire for freedom is a very deep desire. We want to be free. We want to be free from lockdowns. We want to be free from isolation and closed borders. We want to be free from masks and hand sanitizer. We want to be free from shoving swabs up our noses and twisting them around. Uh, We want to be free to travel. We want to be free to be in a crowd. We want to be free to dance. Some of us might want to be free to dance. I actually don't want to be free to dance, but anyway. Um, And all these things uh, seem under threat, don't they? And even if it feels a little bit like maybe we're moving beyond it, the threat still kind of lurks. It's still pretty raw for us. And so I reckon Clive Palmer knows what he's doing. He's scratching where people are itching. And that's good politics. But there is a problem with scratching where people are itching. And it's this, that responding to the symptom doesn't deal with the problem. Right Now, I like a good scratch as much as the next guy, right? But really, uh, if, if there's something serious causing the itch, you want to get to the cause. Uh, and so scratching where we're itching, it's really designed to fail, but destined to fail, sorry. Uh, I don't reckon that Clive Palmer is going to be able to bring about freedom forever for Australia, even if he does get the opportunity. Can anybody? Is true freedom possible? Now, so far uh, in this series through Romans 8, we've, we've been focusing on the inner dimension uh, of you know, slavery to sin and how the gospel addresses that slavery. That is, uh, how the gospel deals with the penalty and the power of sin. But the fact is that we don't only experience sin and its consequences in our hearts, do we? Right? Sin isn't just within us, it's also all around us, and it comes at us from every direction. Uh, I wonder if you've heard 
the concept of the unholy trinity. You've probably heard of the holy trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The unholy trinity, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And even though we've been set free from sin's penalty and power in our flesh, the fact is that we still live in a world that is marred by sin and which is itself, in a, in a limited sense, under the rule of the devil. God's word says that it calls, calls Satan the ruler of the kingdom of the air, this sort of temporary time. Satan has a certain level of authority. And so we still experience the presence of sin, right? Penalty paid. Power broken. But the presence, well, alive and well, really, isn't it? That's reality. That's our reality. As a result of sin, people die. Remember? There's a cause and effect there. As a result of sin, people die. People get sick. We have accidents. We might lose our job. We experience anxiety. We get ripped off. Someone offends us or ignores us or treats us unfairly, perhaps even on a daily basis, and the list goes on. That's life. We live in a world of pain, a veil of tears, it's been called. And so even if within ourselves we're able to make great progress in the personal battle against sin and evil, still, every day we experience the limitations that sin imposes on our freedom. We feel it. So will we ever be truly free? Will we ever experience freedom forever? Now, God's answer to that question is a great answer. God's answer is a resounding yes. Yes, we will one day experience freedom forever. And his answer is an equally resounding, but not yet. And it's really important that we keep both the future yes and the present not yet realities in view if, if we're going to live well, if we're going to experience the patient hope of gospel freedom, which is really what we need, uh, rather than getting caught up in the fruitless and eventually fatal quest of trying to create heaven on earth. And don't you reckon that's what Clive Palmer is promising? Freedom forever. It's just another way of saying heaven on earth. We can do this. And it's what we want to hear. It's what we spend so much of our time and energy and our world's resources trying to do, right? Create heaven on earth. Eliminate all the bad. Accentuate all the good. We're just trying to grab heaven now. But God says, heaven isn't now. Now is the not yet. So let's think about that not yet. The Bible is very real about suffering in this life. It's one of the strengths of the Bible. The Bible's got lots of strengths, but I reckon one of them is the fact that it's very real about suffering. God doesn't deal in false hopes. Jesus told his disciples this. It's very clear. In this world, you will have trouble. His disciples took that to heart because they lived it. They found it to be true. They experienced it, and so they passed it on. They passed that message on in the pages of the New Testament. And so even though today's passage does focus on our future hope, and we will get to that, 
woven through the passage is this thread of present suffering. So let's go to it, Romans 8, uh, from verse 18. You'll see there in verse 18, the first verse, he refers to our present sufferings. There it is. Uh, Then in verse 20, we read that uh, all of creation has been subjected to frustration. So it's not just us, but it's it's the world around us as well. And in verse 21, the, the creation is described as experiencing a bondage to decay. Rami prayed earlier about how from the day we're born, we're on the path to death. And that is so true. Um, In verses 22 and 23, we read that creation and we ourselves groan in pain. Talks about the pains of childbirth, which could be quite relevant for some in the room thinking about that. Looking forward to that. Um... And then in verse 26, it speaks of needing help in our weakness. See, this is life. Uh, And it's no wonder that we feel that life is a struggle and that we're not very free. Now, all that might sound depressing, but I actually think that recognizing the inevitability of suffering is quite liberating. Having the right perspective usually is liberating, When you know what to expect, your heart is guarded against disappointment and you're more able to cope with the circumstances that you're in. Folks, suffering is inevitable. The longer you live, the more true you will find it. Suffering personally and suffering around you. That's how it is. So I've got a crazy idea. See if you come with me on this. Maybe given that, maybe in light of that, we would be better off, more free even in our life if we didn't devote our lives to trying to push it back, to hold it back. If we didn't devote our lives to trying to avoid hardship and suffering. If we didn't devote our lives to trying to minimize it or even eliminate suffering. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm really grateful to whoever invented Panadol. Uh, I'm really grateful to the people who make comfortable beds to alleviate the pain of a bad night's sleep. I'm really grateful for those who in past years campaigned against slavery and still campaign against slavery today. I'm really grateful for those who fought against evil, truly evil dictators in the past. And, And if you, in your daily life, in some way, you do things that help alleviate suffering, make the world a better place then that's great. That's good work. It's appropriately Christ-like. Rami prayed that earlier, remember, that, that Jesus cared. That when he saw people who were suffering, he wanted to and he did do something about it. Yes, yes, he came to give eternal life, but he was concerned about life today as well. And so ought we to be. I'm not talking about that. That is an appropriate Christ-like, God-honoring response of compassion towards the suffering of others. But to be honest, a lot of the talk that I've heard around the idea of freedom lately, and especially around how we relate to our government and its decisions, yes, I'm going there, it doesn't sound to me like a compassionate 
other-person-centered, patient response to suffering. It usually sounds, and it's a generalization, but it usually sounds more like unrealistic, self-centered, frustration and anger that life is not under our control or going the way we want. In other words, it sounds to me more like an echo of the ancient evil quest to throw off all authority, even legitimate authorities, in search of freedom rather than patient, humble faith in the God who establishes the powers over us, imperfect though they are. And here's the true tragedy of that attitude. If we make avoiding suffering the main game, if that's how we spend our lives, then we will waste our lives because we'll be putting all our effort and our hope into a futile and utterly, uh, ultimately meaningless pursuit. But remember, the Bible's answer to the question about whether we will ever experience true freedom is both not yet and yes, one day. The Bible's message uh, on our present sufferings isn't just suck it up <laughs> or put a brave face on it or always look on the bright side of life. Uh, rather, <laughs> in the gospel, get this, in the gospel, suffering itself is transformed and given a purpose. Now we're talking, right? What if suffering isn't just something to avoid and get out of as quick as you can, but what if in the midst of suffering, God is doing something, right? He's got a plan through it, in it and through it. In verse 28, famous verse in the Bible, sort of verse that you often see on walls in Christian houses and that sort of stuff or on the back of the toilet door or something like that, right? Great verse, we read this, concerning God's purpose in suffering, purpose in all things, in fact. We know, listen to Paul's confidence, we know, right, because he knows the gospel, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Whether things are good, whether times are good or times are bad, in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. Those who have been called, in fact, according to his purpose. God has a plan in all things. God has a purpose. What is it? Keep reading. For those God foreknew, this is God's plan from before the creation of the world. That's the idea of foreknowledge and being predestined. Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is God's purpose in life, in your life, in good times and bad, in suffering. God's purpose is to make you more like Jesus, to pour you into a mold that is the shape of Jesus. In your weakness and the weakness that you experience in your suffering, to mold you to be like his one and only son. Why? Because God wants a big family. See that? That he might be, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That is God's purpose. Uh, 
If you love God, see, he's talking about those who love God. If you love God, then his purpose in your life, his purpose in this life, yes, in this life, this difficult life is to make you more like Jesus. And what better way to grow more like Jesus than to experience suffering? You know, Jesus, we read in Hebrews, learned obedience through suffering. And so can we. Uh, The journey matters, you see. The experience matters. Jesus actually practiced his faith day by day by day in his hardships, and we can too. When Jesus was tempted and tried, he relied on the word and the spirit to be his guide and his strength, and so can we. When life doesn't conform to our plans, you see, it's still conforming to God's plan and purpose. Every challenge we face is an opportunity to grow to be more like Jesus, and that is God's plan. Consider, uh, for example, the fruit of the Spirit, another uh, famous passage, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh, 5. the, the fruit of the Spirit is really just describing the character of, of Jesus, the character of God that he's forming in those who follow Jesus. Remember the context, Galatians 5 starts like this, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then he goes on to describe the character of people who are truly free. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Virtues like patience, think about it. Virtues like patience and self-control. When do we need those? <laughs> Clearly we need those when we're, when we're uh, tested, when life is challenging. That's, that's when we need to learn patience, to wait, to wait for God. That's when we need self-control, not, not to just kind of do and act and, and whatever comes to mind, but rather to think, no, no, what is God leading me to do and, and, and to think in these circumstances? But, but I think actually all the fruit of the Spirit, not, not just patience and self-control, are clearly describing how the Spirit helps us in difficult circumstances. I mean, when do we really need love? When do we really need love from God? That's when we're finding other people difficult. That's when we need God's love, when we're facing difficult situations in relationships. When do we need joy? We need joy when life is dragging us down. We need a spiritual joy that spirit can grow in us as we follow Jesus and grow to be more like him. When do we need peace? It's when we're anxious. It's when life seems out of control because it is. (laughs) And so we don't need to take control. We need peace from the spirit. See, this is God's plan. This is God's purpose to actually give us what we need when we need it and in the process to shape us to be more like Jesus. Friends, if you are a Christian, I hope that your goal in life is not ease or comfort or to avoid suffering. I hope rather that your goal in life is to be like Jesus. And that's great because if that's your goal then you share that goal with God in your life. Because not only is it his goal, some far-off distant thing, it's actually what he is achieving right now in your life. In all things we just read, he is achieving that. 
as you love him and as you trust him. So let me urge you, when you're facing challenges, when you're in the midst of suffering and you just wish it would go away, when you're feeling trapped or restricted and you just uh, you know, wish it would end and, and, and you're tempted to rail against your circumstances, you're tempted to look for someone to blame for them, all those natural responses, instead, instead turn to God, let out a groan, and remember God's purpose. And ask him, Father, how would you have me grow more like Jesus through this experience? And as you suffer, as you find life tough, groaning and growing, remember one more thing which the gospel assures us, and that is that suffering, restrictions, limitations are temporary. They won't last forever. They will come to an end. One day, the labor pains will be over and the child will be born. In fact, the children of God will be revealed in the language of this passage. And all of creation at that moment, all of creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay. Suffering will turn to joy. In fact, joy will be the fruit of all that suffering. One day, Jesus will return. That's his promise, a sure promise. He came once to die. He will come again to rule. He will return. And the great eternal family reunion will begin. And that will be a great day. It will be the day when, as Revelation describes it, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For that's gone. The old order of things, he calls it, and that has passed away. One day, our freedom will be all that we want it to be, and, and better, better than we can even conceive it could be. One day, our freedom will be complete, and everything that stands in the way of our freedom right now will be removed, done away with, a day to look forward to. And here's the great thing about our gospel freedom. Though it is future in its ultimate realization, the anticipation of that certain future has great transforming power today. Imagine if you knew the future. Wouldn't it change life? You do know the future. You do know what it holds. You do know how good it's going to be, or at least you get a glimpse of it. And what it does, the power it has, is it puts our suffering in perspective. And that perspective is all the way through today's second half of Romans 8, isn't it? I kind of skipped over it as I just picked out a few little phrases earlier on. But, but have another look. Uh, you know, uh, in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing, Paul says with the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, it's saying like when we experience glory, we'll look back and we'll go, I can't even see it anymore. Right? Not worth comparing. Uh, he goes on in verse 19, he talks about how the creation is actually, though it's groaning, it is waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And in verse 23, that that, Eagerness is, is 
ours as well. Verse 23, we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. A lot of life's hardships are related to the fact that these bodies uh, are, are fading things. You know, Paul calls them a tent, an impermanent dwelling, not built to last. They get tears and they fall apart. Right? But one day we get new bodies, renewed bodies that will never fade or fall apart. And we wait eagerly for that day, don't we? Well, you certainly will as your body starts to age and creak and groan. You will look forward to that day. And in verses 24 and 25, Paul uses the language of hope. But it's not as something that might be. It's something that is assured. Have a look in verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, then we will wait for it patiently. We'll wait for it patiently, confident that nothing can stand in the way of our full and final redemption. And that's because of the logic with which the passage ends. Matt referred to it earlier. Have a look at it in verses 31 and 32. Paul asks the question, what what, what should we say then in response to these things? Well, if God is for us, (laughs) forget the rest, right? If God is for us, Who can be against us? If God has assured and guaranteed this, then nothing can undermine him. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He who put down this lump sum down payment, the the life of his own son, to guarantee this certain future for us, do you think he's going to not come through on the promise away right the greatest payment has already been made he is coming through and we can be absolutely sure of it and so paul says in verses 35 and following this is as sure as eggs who can separate us from the love of god that is in christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword some of those things i hope you never face but paul did he knew a thing or two about suffering As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, though, Paul says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Battle's already over. Battle's already won, he says. We're already more than conquerors through him who loved us. The victory that Christ won on the cross, he won for us. The victory is yours, he says. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, no extreme, (laughs) neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, that's the freedom that the gospel has guaranteed for those who love God, for those who've put their trust in Jesus. That's the offer that he lays out on the table to you. Yes, life is full of challenges, but we know why. God's not pretending. But we also know that the only thing that could ever deal with those challenges, those hardships, those sufferings, has already been done. And that's why we can be sure that he has secured already our freedom forever. That's a promise you can trust. 
There's an old hymn that has a verse that goes like this. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day the noise of battle, the next the victor's song. To those who vanquish evil, a crown of life shall be. And we, with the king of glory, shall reign eternally. Let's give thanks to God for this great promise and sure hope. Father God, thank you that when we talk to you, we are talking to a father who knows us, who knows all the intimate experiences of our lives. Yes, you are the Lord of all and the King of heaven, but you are also a father who loves tenderly, who has great and deep concern for even the details of our lives, even the things that others might not understand or even see as challenges, but to us, we do find them hard. And so, Father, thank you that freedom is available through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you that all the things that threaten us in this life, all the fears we feel, all our anxiety, all our hurts, all our resentments and angers, even the things that we are guilty of, all these things you promise will one day be past. And you also promise that you will help us to not only endure those things today, but if we look to you, you will make us more like your son Jesus through them. Father, I pray for each one of us that that will be our desire, that that will be our goal, and that we will rejoice in seeing how you're working that out through good and through bad in all things because we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.